So the so what question isn't just like a, some methodology. It's you know children have real life issues, and we got it. We have to bring the Bible to bear on that. Welcome to Better Children's Ministry, a weekly podcast from Every Generation Ministries for anyone who wants to see children in their church transformed by the love of Jesus. Well, welcome again to Better Children's Ministry, a podcast of Every Generation Ministries, and I am uh, David Jesse, your host. I'm with Daniel Watts, the president and founder of Every Generation Ministries. Welcome back again to our podcast, Daniel. Thank you. Uh, last episode, we talked about difficult children. You related that that uh, for a long time was you uh, when in, in children's ministry talked about how um, you know we're de- when we're dealing with difficult children in our class that uh, that that our focus should be on seeing their lives really impacted um, and and transformed and loving on those children and bringing hope, um, which is what this is all about. Um, and and so as we as we move to this topic this week, we're going to talk about. A, a question that I think naturally flows from wanting to see children's lives actually changed and transformed. And that's this idea, this question of, so what, um, you know, we can put together the best lesson, have the best illustrations, the best, you know, games and activities and deliver it perfectly. Um, and there are still going to be times when kids walk out of there and they don't feel like it matters at all to their life. Um, or even can't figure, or even more benign than that, just don't even understand what we talked about um, with that. Uh, If a child can walk away from our Bible lesson saying, uh, so what, then what we have to, as children's ministry workers, ask ourselves is, have we actually done what we were supposed to be doing that weekend? Can you relate to that from when you were a children's pastor? Yes, I can. Um, When I first started working with children, I, um, you know, you come to the realization that there's a huge gap between uh, biblical principles and things you teach in the real life of children. Uh, I think I just, I was not even married. And we had a divorce recovery workshop at our church. And it was back when that was sort of some avant-garde thing. And there were a bunch of children involved. So they had a program for the adults. And um, we had a program for the children. And as part of our program for the children, I remember we showed... Uh, a little clip from a film that had a scene with children and divorce and emotion. And that was sort of our um, hook for the lesson. And then we had um, Bible teaching and about forgiveness. And, um, you know, so many children struggle with um, forgiving their mom and dad for the hurt and the pain. And and they feel guilty themselves, like somehow it's their fault. So there's a lot of guilt and a lot of um, issues the children have to deal with. And so we were um, had finished up with the Bible teaching, and I think we had used the prodigal son story and and talking about how you need to be forgiving of other people. And so we had a little small group, and I was in a group that was probably it was wasn't ideal. There was like fifteen boys, and they were all like I'm going to say first, second, third graders. And I asked the question: So, has there ever been a time with your mom and dad where you felt like you needed to like they did something that was really wrong? You needed to like forgive them. And this little boy looked at me, and you know, I was young and didn't have a lot of experience with children. I remember being almost speechless. He looked at me and said, last night, my dad attacked my mom. And they were divorced, so it must have been like a visitation or something, you know, Mm. with a knife. Mm. And he started crying and said, the police had to be called, and they took my dad away. 
And I need to forgive my dad for trying to kill my mom. Mm -hmm. And I remember two things. One of them just like stunned that that was like some little child's real life experience. And it was in a, like a really wealthy, like one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in the United States, actually. So it was like shocking that a little child would have to deal with that. Mm. And then, then the weirdest thing was I looked at the other boys and they were all looking at him with like the knowing nod, mm. not like, oh my gosh. Now I know that they all hadn't had their dads attack their moms but it just, you could just see somehow they connected with the pain of this little boy because they had felt something like that. Wow. And it just was such an illustration of we can talk about forgiveness. We can talk about grace. You know, that's like a huge Christian theme and a really important biblical principle that can be taught from so many different passages. But there's such a gap between that truth and the real life of the children. It's the so what space. Right. How do I take that and really do do that with it? And how do I and where do I live out that principle? That was a big awakening to me for me. Absolutely. Never forget it. So then how can we connect God's word uh, in real life contexts of the boys and girls that in our children's ministry? How do we do that? Well, I think that um there's a couple thoughts I have about it. One of them is um it's a uh a problem that's more than just in the children's ministry world. So one of the reasons that we have the so what problem is with children is because we have it with our own um, self and myself included. Um, you know, when you read the Bible and you um, read about giving in the Bible or about um, loving your wife the way Christ loves the church, this is an excellent principle and actually going home tonight <laughs> and doing that is not so easy. Mm. Loving your neighbor. We all know what that means in principle, actually living that out. So I think one of the problems is as adults, we've all been raised in this um, model of we're just going to sort of disseminate the truth. Everybody will know it. Maybe we can memorize it even. And then we'll just maybe kind of try to figure out maybe where to actually do something with that. So that the Bible, in fact, for us becomes a sort of lifeless collection of stories, doctrines, and biblical principles that is like on one side of the Grand Canyon and our life is on the other side. So we've been taught that way as adults our whole life. So that's sort of uh, deeply ingrained in how we think teaching should occur because we've all experienced that. So then when you go in to minister to children, you sort of do the same things. So it's architected that one of the reasons the so what problem is so big with children is because it's so big with me. Right. Right. You know, so, uh, for example, we've asked teachers overseas, uh, what is this passage, what's the Noah story have to do with the real life of a four or five-year-old? That's a pretty famous Bible story. And we've gotten this deer-in-the-headlight looks from thousands of teachers all over the world. They can't answer that question. What does that have to do with the real life of children? And then you ask them, so, okay, what does it have to do with your real life? And you get the same look. 
You know, it's a story about the animals going on. God's ticked off, floods the earth, Noah gets off, and they all, kids all know that story. Really, just go around and ask children, what does that have to do with like your real life? What's the David and Goliath story have to do with all these famous Bible stories? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Children don't even, and most adults couldn't articulate themselves. So that's, um, I think part of the problem is, um, with our own lives and how we view scripture. And then the other problem is just knowing what the real life of children, what their lives are like and how do you help them apply the Bible there when you don't even know the way they live because we're so focused on the lesson and the creativity and the activities and the dissemination of the truth and the whatever you're doing, entertaining them and having fun. The focus isn't on how how can they understand the truth and integrate it into their real life. Mm-hmm. Um, saw it in Egypt. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite. Um, well, it's not a. I shouldn't say it's a favorite. Impactful. We were teaching teachers about this issue, and we were sort of taking a case study in Jonah four, and we asked them to work in that passage, and we finished and the lesson aim that we wanted to teach about was um, essentially God um, loves the Ninevites, Jonah hates the Ninevites, and then Jonah hates God for loving the Ninevites. You know, that's the story, really. And the lesson for children is um, God wants us to not hate other people that Mm -hmm. are different from us like Jonah did. He wants us to love them. So the question I posed was, in your village in Upper Egypt... With a five-year-old, who, how's this lesson apply? Mm. Who is it that's difficult for them to love? And of course, being an American, I'm thinking about like a, somebody that stole your crayons or, <laughs> you know, uh, didn't pick you on the uh, soccer team or whatever first and, or getting cooties or whatever from an early, <laughs> you know, when you're five. This lady stands up and says uh, something to the effect, what do you do in your village in Upper Egypt when, um, a little five-year-old had his um, father drug out into the street during some Muslim rioting and was killed, beaten to death in the street. Mm. Mm. And I'm, I'm up in front teaching. There's like a hundred teachers there at least. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, what are you saying? And I was like shocked. Right. What is that? Five, who, what five-year-old has had that experience right, right now? And, then she said, uh, what do you do? And they were adopted by their uncle, and he was nine years old. And they, uh, so there was another big incident. You know, some silly thing sets off the rioting there. And they started rioting and burning buildings, and they came down the street, and her uncle was a pharmacist, this boy's uncle. And they drug the uncle out into the street because he was an elder in a Presbyterian church. And this time the boy is standing on the balcony, age nine, and they shot him down and killed him in the street while the boy was oh. standing there watching. Then she said, are you telling us that we should teach that boy from Jonah chapter four, that he should love those people? And then she said, what do you do when it was my son, my Mm. son Mm. and it was my husband that was killed and his brother. And I just stood there. She started crying. I started crying and then God bless him. Uh, he's this wonderful Presbyterian leader and, and Egypt stood up and said, isn't that exactly what we're talking about? How can you teach Jonah 
the fish, the you know, the way we teach Jonah yeah. swallows the um, the fish swallows Jonah, spits him up, etc. etc. Sing a song, memorize a Bible verse, and then send that boy home. Right. When his real world is that. Wow. And if we don't teach the Bible to him in a way that helps him integrate that truth from Jonah 4 into his real life, he'll be a slave to bitterness the rest of his life. So the so what question isn't just like a, some methodology. It's, you know, children have real life issues and we got it. We have to bring the Bible to bear on that. What are some of the things the Bible actually says about teaching children that way in a way that applies to their real life? Well, it's interesting for each of them. <laughs> the big thing for us is it's only three words at Deuteronomy 6. When he says, uh, talk about them. Uh, we make a big deal out of those three words. But when you think about it, with Jesus, one of his most, um, in my opinion, interesting methodologies was the idea of having questions and discussions with his disciples where he sets up an environment where they can ask questions and he'll ask them questions and they'll talk about how how do you actually do that? What does that really mean? And he even invites them to say things that are like ridiculous <laughs> and cre- creates an environment where they think it's okay to do that. And then he will correct and guide and teach. And so we think it's found in the way Jesus worked with his disciples, but we particularly think it's a mandate in Deuteronomy 6 where it says to talk about them, referring to the commandments, the word of God. And it says to talk about them when you're lying down, rising up in the sort of everyday living of life. So we think that there's a huge biblical mandate to teach the truth, which, you know, is the um, strength of the school model. We need to tell Bible stories. We need to memorize scripture. We need to teach the word of God to children. But we just can't leave it at that because if we do, you end up with children who think the Bible doesn't have anything to do with real life, Mm -hmm. which is a disaster. And we've seen that a lot over the decades in the modern world. There's a lot of children and adults that think the Bible has really nothing to do with real living. So we've got to teach the Bible truth to boys and girls and then talk about it um, with them, ask questions of them that are not right, wrong answer questions, but to try to get them to talk about their real life. You know, if God's a loving God, why did my grandma die? Mm-hmm. Or uh, one of our colleagues here was teaching in his church and was teaching about um, asking God to help you when you face temptation and asked, where, where have you ever had a time where you felt the need to do that? And one of the boys said, yes, when I look on the computer at things I shouldn't. Wow. Mm. I mean, that's in heavy duty. Mm. And again, he said the worst part was when he looked around at the other boys, they all like hung their heads down and were all, he could tell it was just not that it was all of them. But then he talked about, well, what do you do? And, and I thought that's unbelievable that he created an environment in a church where a boy felt okay to say that. It's amazing. And that's the kind of environment we need to have and the kind of ministry philosophy we need to have where we're really getting kids to talk about their real life struggles and God's word. Yeah, and that's what the what at every generation ministries what we what we talk about with the model children's worker um, method. This idea from Deuteronomy six that you have to have that relationship with these kids, create that environment where a child can feel free to even say that yeah. to you and the children. And it's it's so hard to do that 
when everything is either focused on an educational model or an entertainment model. Yep. Uh, it's a challenge. So, you, so, but I think I feel like we adults all oh, absolutely, that, right? I mean, I know lots of stuff, <laughs> but right. doing it's really tough, and making it a part of your life—it's a challenge. Absolutely. So, if we create the environment where they feel comfortable having open and honest discussion about how the passage uh, that we're teaching or the story that we're teaching uh, relates to their life. Um, and we have that conversation that's going on. Um, that's the first step in seeing us move past that. So what question, what's, what can we do after that to take from once we've applied it to our real life scenario, where do we go with it from there? Well, I think that, you know, we talk a lot about how important the church is and, uh, I mean, I think this is one of the real reasons why there has to be a sense of community where then when those boys talk about pornography and looking at things on the computers, they shouldn't, that there's a community there that's going to help them and their parents deal with that. And it's something you're going to talk about next week with them and then just the way you would um, with an adult. And I think there has to be a sense of the community working with boys and girls to integrate God's word into their real life. And I think this is, you know, the parents have a unique role in that because you're with them all the time and stop being satisfied with them saying the right things. Mm. You know, boys and girls want to please their leaders and children want to please their mom and dad. So they're going to say basically, what they know their mom and dad want to hear or their leaders. And we need to help children know that's not the goal to get the right answers. And, you know, when you look around our society here, there's a lot of right answers are key. Right. You know, degrees are given out on them, all kinds of stuff, school and so on. And really getting to the place where we're concerned about how they actually live and have a community with them. And parents not being just satisfied with right answers, but really looking for heart transformation and children changing the way they live and, and, and ourselves the same. So what would you tell a children's ministry worker that's, um, that, that knows kind of in that, that's when they're, when they take the time to be really honest with themselves, that they've been more focused on making sure they get the information out there or they entertain or they, um, or just get through that next weekend, um, versus seeing children's lives transformed. And they kind of know in their heart, um, that they, that that's going on. What kind of encouragement would you give to them? Well, I would, um, try to encourage people. It's not just children's workers. It's all of us, right. To really think about, um, like a little different life approach and quit. We need to spend a little more time on, um, taking the simple biblical principles like love your neighbor. God loves a gracious giver and start integrating those into our own lives. Being a forgiving person, uh, being kind to other people, um, trying to let the fruits of the Spirit be a reality in our own life. So instead of focusing so much on what we're going to tell people and teach children, start with, um, I want to be transformed myself, especially what I'm going to teach. 
So, you know, I was always um, told, and I've told teachers for years, you got to get ready early so you're prepared and all that stuff. It's not really, I can, I'll just be honest, I can get together a lesson on Sunday morning at 5 o'clock in the morning. It would be awesome. <laughs> it would be all, like, dialed in, super creative, fantastic. But the same lesson created the Monday before, God has all week, and he faithfully will com- convict me, teach me, encourage me about what I'm going to teach if I let him. So the real reason for preparing early is to let God work in your own heart. And then when you teach and do ministry, it's from your heart. Mm-hmm. And it's not just, you know, slick lessons and strategies and techniques and so on. And, you know, children sense that. I'll just say this. I've watched some of the worst teaching done <laughs> by people who are under such huge conviction and you just could see the impact it had in the lives of the boys and girls over time, even in the moment. Hmm. So I think the encouragement I would give is let's like change the way we do ministry. Quit focusing so much on the method, the entertaining, the techniques and the planning and the you know the school lesson, whatever. And f- let God work in our own lives. Share from your own heart. And then when we do teach the Bible, let's really think about how do we help children take what we're teaching and integrate it into their real life? Because that's really fruitful ministry. You know, we children's ministry talks a lot. We talk about it a lot. We've Our, our entire uh, thought process behind children's ministry is based on Deuteronomy 6, where it talks about discussing it with the children, teaching it to them, that type of thing. But it starts... In Deuteronomy 6, with these words that I'm commanding you today, must be upon your own heart. Absolutely. That's the beginning of it all. Absolutely. So we're not being. And you've got boys, and you know they learn from your example. That, you know, that is sort of shocking. You'd think if Moses is getting ready to tell him how to teach the children how to have a relationship with God, that it would be some how to stuff, Mm -hmm. right? How to teach them, how to train them, how to this, how to that. And instead, he says, you know, if you want them to love the Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you do that first. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your own hearts. It's exactly that sort of philosophy of ministry we're talking about. Teach from your own conviction. Well, and it flows from that. Because when, like you said, when you're being transformed as a father, I know when God's working in my life, my boys see it and they it naturally comes up in conversations around the dinner table, in the car, yeah. before bed. We talk about those different things. And they're not just being taught information. Yeah. They're being, they're seeing someone living out their life being transformed by God. Yeah. When you get upset and say something you shouldn't say and you say yeah. it too loud and then you go to your son and daughter and tell them, I'm sorry. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. Will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. Okay. I've talked to so many people, children that have told me I never ever heard my father once. Say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Mm. Well, that's like a huge biblical principle we should be <laughs> modeling to our children, not just talking about. So, yeah, they do watch you, and it has an impact on them. And as children's ministry workers, that actually should be very freeing and liberating. Instead of having to create the perfect lesson plan that has all the, the most uh, exciting experience activity or... Uh, the best discussion questions and, and all this fun stuff. 
um, there's a there's a freeness that comes from just if we're letting God change us and we're giving our best in the way that we we prepare that he's going to take what he's doing in us and it's going to transfer to those children. And of course, I would say that if you use our teaching methodology, Deuteronomy 6, you get the boast of yeah, the absolutely. best world. <laughs> absolutely. That's awesome. All right. Thanks for this week again, Daniel. Thanks. That was awesome. And again, if you're uh, listening to this, please take a few minutes to uh, subscribe, rate us on iTunes. It makes all the difference so that other children's ministry workers out there can find this podcast, comment on it, share it, send us your feedback. We want to know um, how God's working in your life. Um, as you minister to children. Thank you guys so much for listening in again this week. Thanks for listening to Better Children's Ministry. To learn more about EGM, go to egmworld.org.